Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Ready to go. Outkick 360 is back. Wednesday edition means primary complaint is coming up in about 45 minutes. Looking forward to that. Dan Dockich at 320 Central, 420 Eastern, jam-packed with NFL and college football discussion from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine with Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton, the entire Outkick crew making the show happen. If you're listening on the radio if you're watching on the Outkick Network, if you're listening to the show after the show has aired through podcast channels galore, we say hello and welcome. Gentlemen, good afternoon. PK, great to have you back. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, sorry to have missed so much with so much meat on the bone. It was tough, but uh, I've had a tough couple days. Hopefully, uh, I, I am back. Um, Proclaim, oh, you're it, back. proclaim it to be. You're back. Yes. If you proclaim it to be so, it is yeah, so. That's uh, What was that called? The secret. Yeah. If you leave room in your garage, all of a sudden you'll get a girlfriend because there's room for her car. It was that sort of thinking. Well, you're, you're back. I'm and, back. Uh, there's a lot of making up to do because we've had a lot of stories you have. over the past few days. At least so I didn't miss no days shortage where there was of info. nothing to talk about. Um, we've, we've had so much more to get to. Yes. We've had a lot to get to. We're going to get to some of it today, but probably not all of not it. Not all. There'll be more. A lot of, uh, boy, I was, uh, the firing squad was interesting. I read every piece about every, everything. So much so that I sent myself notes that I forgot to attach the author of the piece to the story. Oh. I went back and sent you guys one of the stories about uh, creative hiring of GMs, none of which I expect to see go into practice, but uh, is what somebody should do. Go, uh, I'm talking outside the box, outside the box of the box. We'll get into the creative hires of GMs, and there's one big issue with everyone that has opinions on this versus what will happen right. that immediately comes to mind. We'll we'll discuss. Um, we will discuss as well the wild card weekend where game planning started on Sunday night into Monday, and we'll go through the matchups to watch that will ultimately, I believe, determine the outcomes of what happens this weekend. Where routinely we see teams on the road in wild card weekend go win. And we'll set the stage for what others will be talking about Thursday and Friday with the matchups to watch and why you should choose wisely with a few of these road teams that have the potential to spring the upset. Dockich is going to be on fire today. I mean, straight fire. He was at the national championship game in Indianapolis. Uh, the Colts the day before eliminated from playoff contention with Jacksonville. And he's been calling uh, for Frank Reich to be acknowledged by the media as one of the worst coaches in football, uh, specifically play callers in football, and uh, the general manager coaching combo there in Indy, not great despite all the accolades they receive uh, with a 41-40 and 40 record, I believe, for Chris Ballard as general manager there. We'll get into that with Dockage and much, much more. 
uh, coming up in hour number two. And again, primary complaint coming up soon. Dockage has been great on this, and I think from a big-picture media uh, standpoint of how you associate with teams, I love this idea that he's put out there that the media hated Ryan Grigson because he only spoke to Dan. And now <laughs> all of the media talks to Ballard except for Dan. So Dan's the only one willing to call out Chris Ballard because everyone else is in Ballard's back pocket because he gives everyone else scoop and talks to everyone else. But they hated Grigson because he only spoke to Dan Dockett. Well, Dan's been very consistent on Reich and Ballard. Critical. But Dan was all over the Colts two weeks ago. Dan had the Colts in the Super Bowl. So I'm ready for Dan to answer about what happened to the team that hit. I put a couple bucks on the Colts going to the Super Bowl. He was so in. So he, he's fine arguing against this over here. But what about this over here where the team that he was in love with fell apart? He bought into Wentz, and he bought into something. <laughs> well, you he bought had into him going. He had him bought going into, the you bought into Dan. You bet on him. Well, I followed Dan. Well, you, <laughs> but I was listening to Dan because Dan. You, you also. A, I went on his show. I went on his show too, and he asked me if the Colts go to the Super. I said no. You, well, you, no, I, absolutely I didn't believe not. In him, but I'm not I'll afraid to play the bucks. Colts. I'll throw five bucks on anything. But he makes a he makes a believable argument Paul, on anything. So what last, happened, Dan? Hang on, Paul. <laughs> in Dan's defense here, last week you were scared to play the Colts if you're the Tennessee Titans. You said you didn't want to play the Colts. This yeah, is a slap team. Which is, is, is fine. They, they lost out. But I'm not in that market following that team. And I wasn't wooed into thinking they I, – I, I thought they were dangerous. A lot of people thought they were dangerous. But I wasn't on the bandwagon well, in flawed. Indianapolis the way he was. They're He's now flawed. distancing himself from the very media he was attached to two weeks ago. Well, I, I, he was not attached to what Chad is getting at with anything involving the general manager or head coach. Well, that's And fine. they are now at a well, crossroads. He did I, like their team. I wanna, well, he likes the team. He hates the coach. Well, they have a good team. It's not a great team. It's not as great at what, as what the national media and all the pundits want you to believe. Um, the truth be told, Andrew Luck screwed them. He did. How he bad did he look them. on the sideline? Um, He's emaciated. Yeah. Yeah, he, Emaciated he with the mustache. I've, I've, we're going to get this. Would uh, we in, recognize in him on three. the street? We're going to. No, I would not. Uh, he looked I like a not. guy that should be serving me an IPA in Bushwick, Brooklyn. That's what he looked like to me. They, like with the little mustache and facial hair and how skinny he list. was. It's, yeah, we're it's we're incredible. we're going to get to this and do some comparisons uh, coming up in, in hour number three. Shall but, I even but, break out my Andrew Luck impression later? Absolutely. In hour three? Sure. Absolutely. It's been so long. It's it's rusty. I don't know if I can find it. Get loose. Reed, can we play this? Can we play the Andrew Luck Book Club we podcast? We have no idea what we can play. Do we still have that channel on the board? I will see if I can get it forward over from our other okay. building, our 24-7 <laughs> uh, surveillance of the Andrew Luck Book Club, and we'll so see. So for those has that are been, unfamiliar. Has he been book clubbing? So, absolutely. This was a huge me? surprise. This guy's not stopping reading books. No, he retires no. I mean, from This football. guy's reading three times this as many books. This guy doesn't even stop to read a book to eat, as you see in the so, <laughs> when I say Luck He's not reading books over. about eating. No. When I say Luck screwed them over, I mean... It, they, they also made some really poor decisions with, uh, say what you want about being all in with Wentz, but what, what, to what has now. happened now, if you look forward, they don't have a first-round pick because he played more than 75% of the snaps, which is what you traded for him to do. I mean, it's not, that's, I, if I'm trading for Andrew Luck and that's a clause, I'm hoping he plays 75% of the snaps. Right. Um, and we, we, again. You can't get out of it. You can't get out of it. Man. He also, he just, he's, he's good, not great. And there's no elevation to his game. Too inconsistent. And they don't have – he's not capable of being anything you can count on week in and week out. And, and that's the biggest issue that they have. On top of the fact that they don't have a first-round pick. 
to go out and do anything. They normally don't move around that much anyway and chase big name stars or uh, make a splash in free agency. And now they have to figure out what to do moving forward. They only, when I say only, they owe him the remainder of his deal, which is around 75. I'm, I'm, I'm trying, it's around 75, which is not all that bad considering what money other quarterbacks are getting. It's not like they gave him Jared Goff money when he arrived. Um, so they they do have a crossroads decision to make because if they run it back, I'm here to tell them they're going to get the same, same result. result. And if you try to get out from under him this year, you take a big dead hit. Plus, like you said, you don't have a first rounder. Right. It's not a good draft for that anyway. Your pick's not very high because you, you you're – you're like the best worst team and right. and uh you know you don't have you're a very thrifty team you know you're not going to deal you don't have a first this year you're not going to deal away a couple more firsts to go be the team that gets Russell Wilson it would be very breaking with your framework to to go chase one of the the quarterbacks that's on on sale but see i think what they see is a bit of a mirage like i the reason why i would not be scared to play him the postseason is exactly what we saw over the final two weeks of the regular season where they gear You're up right. and play well and then they then they either hey. turn it over or they're incapable of doing anything consistent and the the other issue with them uh is when i say it's a mirage they have seven pro bowlers they led the NFL in Pro Bowlers. So they're looking at their roster thinking, we're right there. We're right there. But really, they're not. Because they, despite the poor division that they play in, they weren't capable of making the postseason. And those guys are legitimate talent. A lot of Titans fans are having a field day. No, they're that. good. But those are legitimate talent. But they're at the, they're at the wrong spots. Yeah. I mean, that, they... The right spots, if you can have a quarterback that you know is going to protect the football and someone that you can trust to push the ball down the field. It's not Wentz. Wentz's, uh, Wentz's great talent is actually underthrowing receivers and getting pass interference yes. calls. And, That's his talent. And they've got no left tackle. They've got Pittman and no receivers. They've got a lot of work to do. Just think from the Tennessee Titans perspective right now as the number one C. But if you're looking forward at the teams that are going to be chasing you, think of the, the obstacles to their goodness. Carson Wentz in Indianapolis, right? Uh, Cully, who doesn't know how to manage a game, but the whole Casario Easterby weirdness. I know. Cal McNair. Poor really. leadership. Ownership, really. McNair yeah. and Khan, who, who has shown nothing about an ability to hire. Khan and Balky, who's an obstacle. Um, you're right. You've, you're set up, if you're the Titans right now, you're going to go through some, some things yourself. You've got some cap issues looming and some age. But if you're sitting back right now, looking beyond, just freezing it right now, looking beyond right now, you're saying, I'm not really scared of those teams coming at me right now because of those people in positions of leadership, be they quarterback, GMs, or owners. That's how, that's how I feel about it, too. I'm, I'm, there, there's a bigger storyline here. I'm, I am fascinated with why nationally there is a, it almost it feels like there's a global love or for their well, I think Doc and well, talking with that. Those two guys aren't only talking to Indianapolis local; they're they're yeah, massaging right, national. Right. But how quickly that love turned to disgust from everyone nationally when they put out that just horrid performance <laughs> on Sunday. It was immediate. 
are the Colts the most disappointing team of the last decade? <laughs> Discuss. I mean, it was quick, right? It went from the team no one wants to see in the playoffs right. from many people to you know Super Bowl contender to, man, the way they're built, you got to look out for the Colts, to this is the worst coaching job and the biggest disappointment in the last five years. It, now, was, it was fast. I, I Lose do, to the Jags is something special. I want to pump it, the yes. brakes. I want to pump the brakes on me like being all out on the Colts because, look, I, I picked them in our draft or our draft pool of the playoff teams because I like them better than Pittsburgh. Like I, oh, sure. there, there are teams in the playoffs that the Colts are better than. Unquestionable. But they are not better than the teams in front of them that – for the Colts, in the way they started, they had to treat those final two weeks as playoff games, and they were incapable of doing that. that there's a mindset problem there. Frankly, they should have taken care of Vegas the week before and made it moot. Not that they should be losing to, to the Jaguars, you know, but they made themselves have to sweat that game when they should have taken care of business the week before. And it's still it's crazy. bizarre that we set up all the scenarios that would happen if the Jags won the game on Friday, it's interesting. and then they did it. The, the, the one thing, and I'm sure you guys hit on this, but there are more, to me, and this is recency bias, more stinging endings that are going to burn. Like, usually your team loses and you're miserable maybe for for a week. Mm-hmm. I mean, the searing burn of the way the Colts went down, the searing burn of the Chargers messing that up, those things are like scars, big scars. Usually it would get people fired but that are those fans are going to be so angry for so long. It's going into the draft. It's spilling into camp. That is lasting, seething anger. That's added pressure as, as well on the organizations. Chad, I know you watched uh, two great finishes last night in college basketball. I, I watched the finish uh, right after dinner with uh, Alabama and Auburn. That was a great game. But we also saw the number one team in the country go down. Yeah, Baylor, uh, the defending national champion, uh, was uh, unbeaten and number one in the country. Texas Tech knocks off two top ten teams in a week. They beat Kansas, then they go on the road and beat Baylor. It was a great atmosphere at Baylor for that game. Terrific finish. Then I'm watching Auburn, Alabama uh, late at night, and that was great back and forth the way both those teams played. By the way, Bruce Pearl has a team that might win the national championship this year in basketball. They are terrific and fun to watch. And then I'm, I'm watching all this, though, guys, and I'm, I'm thinking, is, is this on? Is, is anyone else paying any attention to this at all? And it really makes me realize in moments like this in January just how football dominant this world is right now. Because Dan Dockett just talked about it. I'm sure he will later today, too. This is becoming more and more of a one-month sport in college basketball. There's going to be some weekends where you have a big Saturday game and a lot of people are going to tune in to a network to watch it if it's a good finish. And I'm, I'm not saying that people aren't showing up to watch the games. Great atmosphere mm-hmm. in Especially Tuscaloosa in last night for the situation. game. Great atmosphere at Baylor. I mean, I'm, I, those were packed houses for big games. Uh, and it was, it was fun to watch. And you could feel the energy in, in the arena. I just, college basketball is no longer a gathering post for people, for sports fans. You know, it's on a, on a Tuesday night. There's really nothing else going on. It's a day after the football national championship. You couldn't have asked for a better couple of games to watch in college basketball. I just didn't get the sense many people are paying attention. I don't know that it's so much of a football problem. I mean, there's no football conflict last night. I think there are other factors that are – I mean, football is part of it when it's a head-to-head-ish. 
But I think there are other factors that that have led to it. And then when we talk about it being a one-month sport, you know what comes into my head? Oh, it's good for Vegas <laughs> and all these sports books because we're all going to bet on March Madness and we're not going to know what we're talking well, about. Well, and it's also, I've talked a lot about the checkout factor for a sport. I think when your team is really good, fans check in and they'll watch pretty much every game. When they're okay or not good, college basketball has become another one of those sports where it, people can just easily check out and not really pay attention and, and not follow their team as closely. And they're not going to those sports. It's, they're going to Netflix. It's not, it's not fun. Yeah, but I also think that our attention span, and you could blame Netflix or whoever on this, I just think as a, a, a fan, the attention span has gone down for everyone where you can't emotionally and mentally invest in as many things. I agree If you that. want to be entertained, if you want to watch Yellowstone and you want to watch Succession... You're invested in those. You're invested in, in that, way. and then it takes away from something else because we only have so much free time and people aren't willing to invest in sporting things they invested in before, like, I don't know, college basketball, for instance. But one thing we're not going to take away, NFL oh, interest no, investment and college football for college football fan investment. I just think we're seeing... Those are signposts. And, and as that declines, though, I think the interest in March Madness has never been bigger. Every year it seems to get bigger and bigger. Take last year out of Big it event. with COVID Big and for everything, but it's always a huge event. For everyone, but yet the season it's a doesn't huge seem event, to matter as much. But March Madness doesn't register on the top 100 programs in viewing. No, it's all. It's either it's 75, 75 of the top 100 are NFL, and there were six others that were college football, and the rest had nothing to do with basketball whatsoever. And that counts the NBA finals because it's such a gathering thing. Yeah, it's spread like out. A place it's tough like to get one this thing that takes away all, so many ratings because yeehaw, old Smokey will be packed. More that, so than that's fine, me. but it'll, this will be packed for the Super Bowl as well. I mean, it, yeah. uh, the the college basketball national title game didn't register in the top 100. That's my point. It is weird. So for all the interest, I mean, no one. It's they're, the they're, earlier they're, rounds. The, the, really, the, the, the average fan 15 years ago would uh, 20 years ago, 30, however long you want to go back, you could pick out some of the best known talents, plural, uh, across the country. I don't think there would be, I think if we went on, we're broadcasting live in Nashville, I don't know if we could find five people that could identify Adonis Arms with Texas Tech. I couldn't. I mean, I don't, uh, literally five people in the city, I'm not sure if you showed them a lineup, they could tell you who Adonis well, Arms it, is. It's not even that, you know, and uh, I'll, I'll keep it local to where we were broadcasting here in Nashville, but I mean, what percentage of the sports public could tell you uh, what happened last night in Vandy, Kentucky? I mean, yeah, I mean the, that would have been, you know, 10 years ago, ended up better than 20 years ago, that is the premier event for the month. That is the premier local sporting event for the month here in Nashville. Now it's a blip on the radar. I mean, I'm surprised when people come up and talk college basketball with me. I love it. I can talk about the SEC teams. I can, I'd watch some things nationally, but it's now, a, it's no longer shocking for someone not to know what happened in the Tennessee or Vandy game or Kentucky game. It's shocking when someone knows what happened in that game and comes up and asks us something about it or talks about it. it, it there's just been a big shift with that. Really, and I'm not remarkable. saying college basketball is dead or any of that. No, it's no not. No grand statements, but I just, I'm watching those games last night and I, I'm thinking to myself, how much does this really matter in the sports world right now? And did we see it while it was happening? Maybe a little bit, but I don't know. It, it seems uh, sudden almost. 
Well, part of the part of it too is ESPN was the marketing arm for college basketball, and now they are the marketing arm because of the money involved and what they're spending for the rights for the college football playoff, and that is December. They they spend all month gearing up for January's national championship game, and when they, I mean they're they use the college basketball games for programming in between shows to promote the college football playoffs and bowl season. But they still they have own a lot every of games game. on. They have that they, they need to promote. Well, they my my point is on big ESPN and ESPN2 every night throughout college uh, football bowl season, they have a game. There was one game that was not on ESPN this year. They own bowl season. So that's taking away from college basketball. They've taken college basketball and college basketball is now on SEC network, ACC network. They spread it out. And it's football all the time because it's, football matters. Yeah, it's it, people all, tune into it. They have their big games, but for the most part, it's inventory. Yeah, but they're here, clearing inventory a, with. They need you're time not to wrong. Build. But what happens? Like, what happened on Saturday? The the first truly like dead Saturday. What do people do who are well, used to watching sports every Saturday? It's also less about. And you had two NFL games on Saturday. I think people were watching right. that. Yeah, but it's it's also. Here's a good example. I, I was reading Stuart Mandel at Double the Athletic. Double header on ESPN at that. Yeah, they had the two games on ESPN. But I, I'm reading Stuart Mandel at the Athletic in his mailbag, and someone asked about, it seems like uh, the buildup for a national championship game in football isn't as big. You know, that people aren't talking about that as much. And he made a point about the, the, what we've talked a lot about, this top 75, the top 100 television programs or NFL. And he said, I tuned in to pardon the interruption Two and a half hours before kickoff of the national championship game on ESPN, their first three topics were Black Monday, AFC frenzy in the playoffs, and another NFL discussion. And segment two was college football championship game. David Pollard. That is on ESPN. On pardon the interruption. It's just, it's not going anywhere. The NFL is king. And it's it's not it's not stepping aside for anyone. Um I think that has part to do with it. Again, I just think it goes back to an attention span issue where you can only, unless you are the diehard of diehards and love everything, you can only truly mentally, emotionally invest in a couple things from a sports standpoint and things get thrown aside. I thought part of that this year was the quick rematch. Also, maybe tamp down the college football a little bit. And for them, maybe a little bit, it's a little bit regional. Coming up, we will discuss the game planning that's going on as practices begin, uh, and they're installing the game plans for Wild Card Weekend. Matchups to watch for all of this weekend's matchups. Point being, we're talking NFL when we come back on Outkick 360. Coming up in 23 minutes, we will have primary complaint as we broadcast from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. This is Outkick 360. NFL wildcard weekend kicks off on Saturday. Of course, we have Sunday's games and then Monday night football between the Cardinals and the Rams. But it kicks off Saturday between the Las Vegas Raiders traveling to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. The Raiders have been play in, in playoff mode for about four weeks. And they started the season, keep in mind, 5-2, and two, went through a lull, a losing stretch, and then finished the season 4-0 and oh to get into the postseason. And meanwhile, there are aspects of what Cincinnati has done throughout the year that are really good. 
And there are things that they have finished the season with that have me concerned to take the Bengals this weekend. But, Chad, you've pointed to this all week so far. This is the game to watch. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's the one that um, – look, if you ask me, typically when we, you start to slot those games and we start to envision, okay, where are games going to be played and what time slot – you usually use that Saturday afternoon window as the worst time slot. <laughs> yeah, you do. And I, I think it's getting the best game. I mean, I'm, I'm more intrigued it's to watch Joe Burrow's playoff debut, uh, Derek Carr's as well, <laughs> right, for the Raiders. I mean, that's crazy to think about, but I, I'm, I'm excited to watch this, this Saturday afternoon game. And just, you know, the opposite of – we talked about the Colts in the first segment. Had everything going for them, it felt like, this year, the way they were trending – and to lose in that last the last two weeks the way they did, and then the Raiders had every possible thing go against them, and they rally and they win against two good opponents the final two weeks of the season to get into the playoffs. I think both are great stories, and I'm, I'm excited to watch both these teams. Paul, we haven't had a chance to talk to you about this. Is that the one you're looking forward to the most, or is there another game this weekend? Yeah, I think it's as good as any. Um I mean, I think Pittsburgh-Kansas City is a horrible game, and I understand the Mahomes factor, but I don't understand why you can't forecast a little bit. I mean, what's the spread on that game? Probably 14 and a half? It opened at 15 or, yeah, or 14 and a half. It's going to be a horrible game. And so, yeah, people want to see Mahomes, but I don't think people are that interested in the 15-point game. Yeah, it's the Ben's nation, last game, but we've you're done that. At, you, you, make, you try to make this argument for the season opener between the Bucks and the Cowboys. It doesn't matter – how good or bad the Cowboys are, they're going to be on national TV. The Steelers are there too. Yeah, The Steelers People are there the Steelers. and they have Mahomes. So they get the Steelers' national audience and they have Patrick Mahomes. When that's why, when that's why it's there. I, when it's a 20-point game in the fourth quarter, are people sticking with it? I, I don't, the I don't way think they'll so. be with Vegas and Kansas well, City if it's a two-point game in Paul, the fourth quarter? Paul, I, I think this is going to be the worst game of the weekend. But I also fall into this camp of... I'm still more interested in the Pittsburgh Steelers going against Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs more so than a divisional matchup between Arizona and the Rams on Monday Night Football. That does not. I'm watching all of it yeah. because it's NFL playoffs. Don't get me wrong, but if you had me rank what I want to watch in order, that ranks ahead of two teams playing for a third but this, time. This is also he can't throw. I mean, he can't throw the but ball. But yeah, it's also it's not the game that you would want over any of the other matchups. But CBS, this is the only game they're broadcasting all weekend. So, I mean, this is their game. They they were slotted this game. Yeah, it is it's not uh, like they. It's, it's not like CBS had first pick. It's think, currently twelve and a half at FanDuel right now. It, it, so it's gone down. That line is twelve and a half. So biggest uh, of the weekend. And I, you know, I fear the rematch. They, I, I want Cincinnati to do well. I want Cincinnati to win this game. I, you know, I tend to think they will win this game, but. I also fear a rematch, you know, when Cincinnati won 32-13. That's a pretty significant win back on November 21st. So here's the matchup the Raiders are early on that equally hot. Cincy has to figure out, and it's, it's just up front if they can protect Burrow. Because if you go through what, what has happened with Burrow, he's been sacked, I believe, 51 times on the year. And I mean, just a pincushion at times throughout the season. But so you have Cincy who enters the game with a, a big blowout win over Baltimore when Baltimore was just riddled with either injury or COVID issues. 
and didn't have their starting quarterback on top of everything else. Um, and you, you start to look at where, where Cincy has really... Their, their win over Kansas City was excellent. It's their best win all year. But when in week 13, it, it's hard for me to look back on December with Cincy and say, I, I think the Bengals win the game. I'm with Chad. I think it's a really good matchup because the Bengals don't have much protection for Burrow and the Raiders can get after you defensively. In their final four games where they finished 4-0, and they allowed 14 points, 13 points, 20 points, and then they allowed, what, 32 to the Chargers, but they, at times throughout that game, they were playing really good defense, and it was exceptional play from Justin Herbert late on back-to-back touchdown scoring drives to get back in it. So with, with all that being said, Burrow was sacked 25 times over the final six games. 25 of his 51 happened in a stretch where they're considered to be playing well. And he went down. And it continues to. Uh, the Chargers, uh, in week 13 when they lost to the Bengals, he was sacked six times. Four turnovers in that game. Chargers won that game That's over the Bengals. That's a bad loss. That was probably the Chargers' best win. Uh, against San Francisco, week 14 when they lost. Overtime. Four sacks and two turnovers in that game. That's what this game comes down to. Do you trust the Bengals to protect Burrow and they're not going to turn the football over? And do you think that Vegas can run on Cincy's defense with Josh Jacobs? If so, Vegas is, is a road team to bet on. They're, they're an underdog by seven and a half points in this game. That, that spread's too big to yeah, me. Yeah, I, I think I it's agree. a close game that comes down to the wire. I also think win or lose, I don't know how you fire Basaccia. Here. I agree with that. He's got to stay. You know, I, I am with Harbaugh's you. If your dream hire, that's fine. But this guy's done a hell of a job. And, you know, um, in a way, if you, if you want to stand with Gruden in a way for Mark Davis, which I think he does, he was pissed off the whole thing. He didn't want to, this, yeah. is, this is Gruden's chief disciple. I mean, I talked to Gruden about Versace a couple hires ago for the Titans when uh, his agent was, was pushing him, and I wrote a, a piece about him, just this idea of the next special teams coach after Harbaugh because it's been – Forever. Well, and, let's and look this at is, is the next guy. He's done a good job. Give me another reason to, to keep Rich Bisaccia. Uh, obviously, the job that he's done is the first reason you keep him. But Jim Harbaugh, as an example, and I think Jim Harbaugh can coach, and he did a really nice job in San Francisco. He won't last. But long. everyone that covered Jim Harbaugh that knows him, and John McClain has mentioned this many times, says that he is a pain, and he was very difficult to deal with, it's and a that's four, why eventually. He was out with the 49ers. Let's go through recent history. Brian Flores got fired not because he, can, he can't coach, because he couldn't get along with anyone. And he was terrible at managing people, and people didn't want to work with him on his staff. He's out in Miami. Bill O'Brien, same thing. Had a lot of success there. Meddled too much. Was given too much power. Also couldn't get along with people. Joe Judge had some similar things. Also couldn't coach. Right? Look what you went through with Vegas with John Gruden. I know this is a separate issue, but someone hated him so much that they went and exposed old emails to get him fired. There's also something to be said for being able to get along with people. And clearly, Bisaccia gets along with people. He's had a long career coaching the NFL. This team relates to him and has, has played for hard for him. I think it's another reason, and I think it's also a buyer beware for Harbaugh because everything you hear about how it went south with the 49ers because of his personality. I agree with that. Let's go back to Flores mm. for a second. I don't buy that he didn't get along with people so well. I buy 
that Greer and others team up with Ross, who's a satellite owner, and they're in his ear all the time, and they're saying that Flores is the problem. When Flores is 100% focused on football, and these people looking for somebody to point a finger at can get together and say it's Flores, that he didn't like that Flores went against the plan to tank when he wanted to get in position for Burrow, um, that, that Flores didn't like all the Watson distraction stuff because he was busy trying to win football games. But now it sounds think, like he's the one that wanted Watson. Yeah, I think he wanted Watson, but yeah, then but when yeah. it turned into a circus, there was a riff he there. didn't love the circus stuff. I think this is a Ross problem. I think, Hutton, you've got this on the agenda. There's a lot of ownership BS going on that's screwing people over who have a chance to do a good job. Flores got good wins, not this year so much, but look back at the year that they were supposed to tank when they traded Tunzel and Fitzpatrick and they had nothing and they won games in a tank season. You're going to hold that against a guy who who got ridiculous wins out of a guy? I think he got screwed. Hey, speaking of ownership BS, I think he's better than Chris Greer. This just happened. This came down about three minutes ago. Uh, Jim Irsay has released a statement for Colts fans. I hope it's venomous. <laughs> it's not. He says, Dear Colts fans, when we started 0-3, this is from the owner of the Colts. Are these lyrics to a song? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's uh, written with the sheet music. Guys, I'm about to read you a Fleetwood Mac he's, tune he's right now. Tuning his guitar. It's worth a million yeah. dollars off the hands I mean, of you Lindsey could, Buckingham. You could put this to music if you with wanted. Stevie and I could Nicks read it to music. Uh, Remember when he did the song makeup. from his death? Yes. Yeah. Stevie Nicks' lip prints. Are I would have preferred a song, <laughs> but instead we got this. Okay. Dear Colts fans, when we started 0-3, we knew the rest of the season would be an uphill climb. We all were hopeful we could dig our way out of the hole and reach the playoffs, and we should have. But we ended our season in perhaps the worst way possible and missed our chance to compete for history. The buck stops with me, and this experience makes me even more determined to bring Indiana a contending team. We are already working toward the future, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to put us in a position to win next year and for years to come. As always, thank you for your support of the Colts in 2021. This was a rough way to end our year, but this bad taste will fuel and motivate us even more for next season. I promise you there are some exciting days to come. Sincerely, Jim Irsay, P.S. Tune in to Hard Knocks. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the finale of Hard Knocks on HBO is tonight. A lot of people That's are looking forward get some ratings. to oh, watching the, watch that one. the finale to see what the reaction is uh, to that loss in the locker room. I'll watch that one. Yep, I'm, I'm, I mean, that I'm does, record. I, that's record not going to that soothe anybody, but it tells everybody there's no big chaos. Coming. You know, I, I think that in embarrassing and disappointing times, it's always better to just say something instead of hiding in a cave. Well, so I give him credit for coming out and saying, this is how disappointed I am. I'm just like you. We are committed to fixing this. I don't think there's anything wrong no. with that. I think it endears you to your fan base a little bit more. And I think, again, speaking in tough times when you're a leader is far better than hiding. There was a very good clip of him you know, in his cowboy hat near the team bus talking to some fans after the game, basically saying the same thing. Well, I mean, that really was heartbreaking. Um, and he's as emotionally go invested as an owner can be. If yeah. you really, he's the opposite of Steve Ross in terms of that satellite. Yeah, thing. Yes, yes, that satellite thing, and and the Titans fans dealt with it in Bud Adams' later years here in Nashville. It's an unhealthy thing to be away because then you're reliant on middlemen communicating, and then it's about who communicates best. Not just that, it's about who bends your ear the best, and that's not what a football team needs to be about because it's about who does the best work. And if you're not a good interpreter of who does the best work, your organization goes sideways. Coming up, 
primary complaint is just around the corner. I, I believe there is a path to victory for Philadelphia over Tampa Bay based on a few matchups to watch for. Uh, we'll hit on that. Uh, round three between the Bucks, or excuse me, uh, the Bills and the, the Patriots. Uh, we'll, we'll discuss that and much, much more. Dan Dockich, he's about to join us in, what, roughly 40 minutes from now. When we come back, though, we air our top grievance of the week. Speaking of the Colts, mine involves the Colts in some way. It'll, it'll work it into my primary complaint. We are ready to go. You can join us as well by using the hashtag primary complaint on Twitter or tag us at Outkick360. We can work those in as well next on Outkick 360. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Uh, Paul, yesterday I mentioned that every Tuesday night at 7 o'clock here on site, they have trivia. They have a trivia contest. Oh. They give away gift cards of $25, $50, We need to enter chat in these Chad trivia contests. Do you agree? Well, we were right? just remembering a fantastic night we had in San Francisco where we teamed up with my niece yeah. and a younger uh, group and combined our 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 skill set and their skill set matched up perfectly. Uh, we teamed up with the youth and together we conquered trivia and it finished was first. Great. And we should do that here. If, if any, uh, if we had a niece here, that'd be terrific. I'll be your proxy. I'll go in solo. I need no team. <laughs> I'll just sit there and write answers down as they yeah, ask the questions. Chad would be excellent, but I could use the help. For sure. Coming up, we've got headlines of the day, but each and every Wednesday at this time, it's time for primary complaints. And guys, right off the bat for me, primary complaint this week, I I said I was going to work in the Indianapolis Colts, but this goes for any venue that has turf, especially for the national championship. Far too often uh, throughout college bowl season, the, the money that is pouring in on these games, the fields look atrocious. And I understand from a grass standpoint, they're painting over and many times NFL stadiums and they are attempting to put the sponsorship logo on top of the Titans flame ball or uh, whatever it might be. And and on the grass, that can be difficult. You don't want to kill the grass. And if you lay new sod down, it's my understanding. I'm no turf grass management expert here. It's my understanding. If you lay new sod down, you have to wait a little while before painting over it. Otherwise you kill the grass. So that's why they try to mix and match. That's why they keep the soccer lines out there instead of resodding as much as possible. But when it comes to turf, the college basketball tournament, March Madness, they'll bring in a brand new court and everything is cookie cutter. But look at the national championship game. The national championship game, the Colts logo is dead center underneath uh, the the national title game logo. It looks like absolute crap for a game that they tout as being as great and grand as the Super Bowl. It's the ex- equivalent of the in Tampa Bay last year having some you know remnants of an erased Bucks logo and having the NFL logo over the top of it for the Super Bowl. I had an image. Uh, hopefully, we can show it. It looks like trash, and that's my primary complaint. My primary complaint this week, I'm going to stick with a college football theme on this. It's Power 5 commissioners not named Greg Sankey. Because Greg Sankey of the SEC is coming out of the meetings with other Power 5 commissioners about expanding the playoffs, saying, I'm all for it. We don't even need it in the SEC because we're already dominating the current format. But 
other leagues aren't willing to bend at all on this to help out their conferences. Specifically, ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips, Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren. Kevin Warren wants automatic qualifiers to be in because he wants to knock out spots that the SEC could possibly take at large. Fine. That's a minor thing. Maybe you could work through that. Jim Phillips is just mad at the SEC for taking Texas and Oklahoma. He's mad at ESPN, which is understandable. But to fire back at them, he's basically saying, we haven't looked into the player health and safety of this. And we really don't know. He's filibustering because he wants to somehow hurt the SEC when really it's only hurting your own conference. And all of this is going to help the SEC. And it doesn't matter for them. They're fine staying where they are. The SEC is both superior in football and they're superior business people. And you got to be good at one or the other. Be a good business person if you can't excel in football. That is my primary complaint. At a pretty young age, I learned that parents just don't understand. And now all these years later, I just don't understand. I'm not a parent, but I don't understand why the man who taught me that lesson in Will Smith thinks that the world needs a reboot of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air as a gritty drama. Will, 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 Will. No one asked for this. Why are you trying to ruin my childhood when you were such a big part of my childhood? We want to see the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and laugh. We taught lessons during that show about racism and violence and drugs, and they stuck with me all these years. So why do we need to take and turn this into a drama? Are we really running out of ideas? And this is what the streaming wars are going to come to. Reboots of shows that we had as our childhood that we loved but now we're just going to make them a gritty, gritty drama. How about uh, redoing Family Matters where the kid next door stalks the the, the daughter for years and uh, just, Will, well, I'm so disappointed. Will, that's why you're my primary complaint. I'm now laughing at a true detective Family Matters mashup that could possibly happen <laughs> the way Reed described that. I call him the French Prince, and I'm proud to say I've never watched an episode. <laughs> My primary complaint, I hope we have a picture here. It's very photo-reliant. Um, listen, if you're starving and you're asking for money, I, uh, I understand and I'm sympathetic. I do not understand this. That's a big cue there. Honeymoon at Hot New Bride on Venmo. This is written on the back of a car window I passed in a Walmart when I was shopping for something for Simon in the snow. First off, uh, Paul at Walmart, I, big surprise. I, yeah, yeah. I know it's very uncouth to uh, make judgments on appearance, but if you're calling yourself Hot New Bride Rose Harkness, I, uh, I'm going to take a look. False claim. False claim. Um, I'm not giving you money in a, in a begging situation like this, and I discourage anyone from giving you money. If you're filthy rich and you drive by this and you're intrigued to give this person money, I say, the guy on the corner who looks hungry is probably hungry. Help him out. Not Rose Harkness, who's claiming to be a hot new bride. False claim! I mean, I, I have to think it's kind of brilliant. It's no different than uh, the Amazon wish list for some of these people that go on Stern. Well, they it, do it a lot with uh, bachelorette parties around here. If you notice, they have Venmo signs on all of the transpotainment around town where you can Venmo a bachelorette party and buy them around a drink. Yeah, it's I mean, brilliant in the in the sense like the the phishing scams that you hit on one of the 15,000 people you pass. But 
I don't know who's inclined to give this woman money. The ones with the bachelorette parties here in town, I don't understand because you might as well have a sign that says, I'm from out of town. I don't know this area. I'm going to be intoxicated all weekend. Please come commit a crime at my expense. <laughs> well, in open invitation. Yes. What is, yeah. Don't make yourself a victim. Help me clog your streets. Well, if you're and, a guy uh, buying a drink for a girl or a group of girls, the point is that you're with the group. And you communicate She's with available. them. And you talk to them, right? If you're yeah, like hanging out with friends the bachelor are available. party. Real quick, here, here is my primary complaint. Here's the view of it. Uh, everyone listening would know. But yes. I mean, this looks like crap. Look, this is our national championship way. game that they, yeah. they pay yeah, millions for. Why is there not? And it looks like trash. On an artificial field, there should be a cutout. Yeah, I didn't a way even to cut out it, a square and replace it with a square so that it looks like you're saying completely polished for a huge event like the NFL would do it. And they do it for big events. <laughs> on this grass, is the I understand. This is, this is turf. Have it zip out. <laughs> I know. Coming up, headlines of the day, including the latest uh, coaching movement across the NFL.